coming for more men. Lots of talking, but never ever gets boring. Rounding up the humorous stuff in the news about Mormons. Can't wait to see which one will they choose. Hello, how y'all doing? Welcome to this week in Mormons. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. I've missed you all. Last week the sisters were here, and they do a tremendous job. But the weeks I'm not here, I feel a, a hole in my heart for all of you, um, for the most part. But last week was also my anniversary, and we had the inauguration, so I didn't care. Anyway, it's great to have everybody here. So wonderful you took the time. Please join us at thisweekinmormons.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you have not done so. However you're listening right now, if you're listening on our website, click one of those subscribe buttons for your podcatcher. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever you want. That would be excellent. Send us an email, contact at thisweekinmormons.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. <laughs> and uh, those are the places. And if you want to support this show, I'll start off with it. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash thisweekinmormons. Two bucks a month. Great way to help us keep the lights on and keep things going. That would be choice of you. Enough introing, though. I am joined once again by our friend from afar. We actually haven't talked to you yet this year, I don't believe. Josie Gleave. Hello, hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you? How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I am in a new house, and it's a little bit strange because I've moved apartments, but I'm still in the same country, which is not something that I normally do or haven't done in a while. So it's been a strange moving experience. And, and the I guess in Singapore, it's at least kind of legitimate, because like if you're here in the U.S. and I say I moved apartments, but I'm in the same country, well, you know, that's... It's a pretty good odds that you can stay within the United States and move places. <laughs> Definitely. No, so like it's such I suppose a t- when you're in a city state, it's a little bit different. Yeah, totally. Because it's such a tiny island. But honestly, if you move 15 minutes away, it's like you're in an entirely different neighborhood. The weather's almost different. And people are like, oh, wow, you moved so far away. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, no. But um, it's really nice. I'm closer to the water. I have a fancy pool. I have my own office. Man, life is good. So now, can you you told me a little bit about this a while ago when you uh, were moving? They have a system in Singapore, right, for whether you're a citizen or an expat in terms of what's available to you and for housing. Yes, the pricing structure and all that. Like it's a it's a oh, whole it's like crazy separate. There's a, there's like parallel tracks. You can't yeah. go and do it normally. Yeah. yeah. So they have a lot of support for their. Um, permanent residents and citizens. So you can get what's called an HDB, which is, if you wanted to call it government housing, people get a pretty negative connotation, but it's like a pretty normal thing to do. There are just separate apartment blocks or condo complexes, whatever you want to call them, that are specifically, oh, are they owned by the government? I'm not actually sure, but like you can buy one of those And it's just normal housing, but it's at a significantly lower rate. Whereas like condos that are like as as a expat or as someone who's not a PR or citizen, like I can't get into an HTB. So the other apartment complexes are open to me and they're much more expensive. But funny enough, I did kind of hear that like for some Singaporeans, a sign of status is like, you, you know, you first have your HDB and then maybe you sell it and you try to graduate up to like a condo and that's mm. kind of like, ooh, fancier, whatever. So I don't know. Um, but it is, I, I think it's a pretty good way for them to, 
yeah, get a head start. Because I, I think when I first looked up the numbers and was talking to you about it, it's like almost for some of these apartments, it's almost like a million dollar difference. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy if you're trying to actually buy property here, which I'm not trying to do. So just trying to keep oh, my rent as low as possible. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, that's a different system than what we're accustomed to, I think. Yeah. Uh, stateside, you know, a little bit different. Even in New York, of course, New York has rent control if you're lucky to uh, get into one of those situations. Yeah. But that's a whole other topic, people. A whole other topic. But it is worth exploring because areas that are very expensive for anyone are also expensive for Latter-day Saints. And sometimes the church struggles with growth uh, or retaining members in places that become less affordable. You know, we see a lot of that. I've, I've seen that recently. I don't think I've talked about this on the show yet, have I? But they they uh, they got rid of my old stake where I grew up, the Placentia, California stake. That is my home stake. And it dated back to 1954. Uh, but because of membership exodus from Orange County, there just aren't the members to support it anymore. So they, of the five wards that remained when I was a kid, there were like eight. Of the five wards that remained, one of them went to a, one stake. And then the other four wards were consolidated into two and then given to another stake next door. So they hacked it up pretty badly. And uh, it really is indicative of just the problem. The people just, you know, they can't afford. You've got, I know so many families, uh, especially parents who raise their kids there. And now all their kids can't afford to live in Southern California. So all the kids have moved to Utah or Arizona. So the parents have all moved to Utah and Arizona. And no one's replacing them. You know, this is this ah, is a major issue. This can affect the church a lot. And when the baptismal rates are what they are, for the most part, stateside, it's not enough to replenish the members lost outside of the Hispanic community in California, for example. And so you see stakes going away. I mean, that was like two stakes in Southern California last year. They won't be the last, unfortunately. But uh, and it's just in that immediate area. At the same time, stakes are probably growing just farther out to the desert. You know, if you're going out by like Hemet, woo woo. Hot, you know, Paris, Menifee, Hot Town, USA. There's probably some action out there, but uh, it's hard. Anyway, that's a bit of a tangent, but that's a real issue I think the church faces. And I'm curious what it's going to mean for somewhere like Utah, where real estate has been exploding a lot in price in Utah. Uh, way, way, way. If you look five years between five years and now, that's that the price of real estate in Utah has gone up substantially and it's going to continue to do so because you've got all these people from California, like I said, moving there and the, the dot com, you know, the tech industry, a lot of things driving prices up. And at what point will Utah also cease to become as affordable? And will then Utah, the nucleus of church membership, will the people go elsewhere from Utah? Will all the Latter-day Saints migrate to Wyoming? I, I don't was, know. I was going to say, is this how they get us to actually go to Missouri? This is interesting, though. Like, I'd never really yeah. thought about that, that you could, or there, there are certain areas that we could potentially have, like, little deserts, essentially, of what used to be flourishing membership and now is less so. It gets hit. If you look at Los Angeles, I hate to stay on Southern California, but if you look at Los Angeles, the church has had a lot of buildings, even, that they've sold. Really cool, architecturally interesting Everybody. old stake centers in the middle of L.A., and if you started in L.A. where the people lived and as the decades have gone by, the people started, you know, fleeing farther and farther away to more subur suburbs. And Southern California is very large in terms of suburbs and how much space that takes up. And that's sort of probably what I experienced as a kid, kind of when my parents settled down and things because the church was great in my state where I grew up. Tons of youth. It was awesome. Totally solid. And now you're seeing that next level where it's fanning out even farther and farther away because people can't always... Uh, afford to be there. And so really, if this is affecting you and your community, folks, I, I don't want to make it a political thing because I think I think 
prayer and fasting and, and having missionary opportunities are important, but honestly, you should be thinking about ways to embrace housing initiatives and things in your community to make it affordable for people. Otherwise, you're not going to have young families move in who can stay there. And that's a very real issue that's going to affect us anywhere, but somewhere where our membership and our numbers and our wards are based on how many live and where, you know, we're very geographically defined as a people. Um, it's something to consider. Yeah, that's know. fascinating. I'm usually coming from- That was from- a fun tangent. Well, I'm I'm going to take it for two two more secs because I'm usually coming from the perspective of like uh, when you have smaller communities, like more internationally, you have a lot of leaders who are concerned about preserving local leadership um, mm-hmm. instead of yeah. having. And and so what what I've noticed in France and also in Singapore, they're having the same sort of issue is. Like it's pretty common for people to or for young people to want to go and say study at BYU, and then it's a matter of trying to get them to come back <laughs> and want yeah. to build yeah. where they grew up, where they grew up. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a funny situation though because like my husband and I have been asked to try and help that initiative a little bit. It just seems a little bit ironic because we did not remotely stay where we grew up and. <laughs> contribute to our own local leadership we move to other places where maybe we can be more of a helping hand and that's another big issue in and of itself i think we actually al wrote an article i think it might have been like the first real blog we wrote of just original content on twim 11 years ago or something like that early making the argument that basically we should close byu and the other church schools because while it was great everyone got to congregate together it caused this problem, you have essentially the equivalent of brain drain with people who go to Utah and then don't want to come back because they either meet an American spouse or someone else or, you know, just uh, any number of reasons. And I get it. If you're from some small area with few members and you go to school in Utah and you make all these friends, that's this great community and you really like it. It's hard to will- to willingly say, well, I'm going to go back to where I was from and I'm going to build Zion there. Yeah, totally. Uh, that could, but, that's but a tall Jeff- order. It's hard to do. The whole point is just to get people married and have babies. So that's that takes priority. That's that is also <laughs> true. Also true. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I don't envy. Um, you know, we even talked. I think just a couple of weeks ago, or it was in December, the church actually organized the first young single adult ward in Latin America, which I'm surprised they did not have one already. Seriously. Uh, it's an, and it's in Mexico. I mean, you know, you you wrote about, of course, the YSA word in Singapore. Yeah. You know, being the first real one in Asia. I know we had some pushback about whether it was the real one or the one in uh, the Philippines. The Philippines, or whatever. yeah. But Corey Ward uh, wrote about this. Yeah, the very first one in all of Latin America. It's the, far what it's called, the Politecnico Ward. It's over by the MTC there in Mexico City. Yeah, it's in Mexico City. And that's the first one in all of Latin America. You'd think Latin America would have... Especially when you have, you have, he lists them out. There's a few other units for YSAs in other parts of the world. It's a handful, right? You've got one in London, one in Manchester. You've got Sydney, Brisbane, and Gold Coast in Australia. Auckland, New Zealand has two. Botswana has a singles ward, which is my favorite one by Sussex. far. Just Botswana, just hanging out in Africa all by itself. That's Botswana amazing. has a singles ward. Singapore, uh, the Philippines has one in Manila. Tonga has one in Liahona. And uh, Kiribati has one in Tarawa. And so, but that's it. It's amazing to me that there was not a singles ward anywhere in Latin America. You think somewhere like Chile or Peru or Brazil, for that matter. No kidding. Would have, y- would have YSA wards, but. Uh, yeah, I think there's been haven't. some 
argument as to whether or not there's still appropriate or maybe appropriate is not the right word, but like if they're still necessary or if, you know, they should just stick with family wards with different or more service opportunities, something like that. But that's it, been a just an ongoing discussion. Yeah. Decade. Yeah. I mean, even at, even at the highest levels of the church, there have been brethren who have been more clearly on the record or, or people who know have talked about how like, I think uh, president Packer did not like singles wards. He was totally against them. Right. But that's what they do. Yeah. Well, in Singapore, the whole argument was that it was really important to have the young adults uh, because they're in that age bracket where they are less likely to remain um, members of the church, that it was really important for them to have their peers who were contacting them instead of, you know, like... I don't know, an expat from the US or like someone who's like 60 who's like, hey, I didn't see you at church. Like it was important. They felt the leadership here to focus on peers doing that work. So, And I, and I, I completely agree with that. I think it's a way better way to improve retention and activity. But on the flip side of it, I'm not super in favor of YSA stakes, which have only been a thing for the past, what, six years or so, six, seven years. I don't like the idea of YSA stakes. I think that takes it too far. I'm against it. I think they're dumb and they don't work. Oh, okay. I haven't been in one. I was they organized say- one here in D.C. <laughs> after after I got married, the singles ward, when I was in the singles ward, there were just two wards that were part of the stake we were in. But I liked that system because we had a regular family stake. Like, yes, our stake was famous for having a very large YSA scene within it. But like you'd go to stake conference and you'd see regular members. You'd see friends of yours who had gotten married and still lived in the stake. And on top of that, we had men from our wards who were even like called to the high council, for example, which I think is really smart. Why have, why have the high council, you know, composed only of married men from the other wards? Like, sure, you're part of the stake. Have high counselors who are from the singles wards, whether it's the YSA wards or the mid-singles ward that was in our stake. I think yeah. that helped us feel like we were actually part of something. Whereas Instead of like isolated no- off on your own as like the non-married folk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good exactly. point. And the thing is, you can only be so much of a leader at a certain level in a YSA state. Yeah. The bottom line is you're still bringing in bishops from the outside and other leaders from the outside. Like if it was a fully self-sustaining YSA stake, which I know is impossible because if you have to be a, married to be a bishop and, you know, obviously that would <laughs> be kind of pointless. Um, I think that might have more to it. Obviously, I haven't been in the system. It's outside looking in for me, but I, I feel like YSA stakes make it, like you said, make it too exclusive, too cordoned off. I think it's beneficial to be a YSA ward yet still feel like you're part of the larger church apparatus for the future. It's my personal opinion. And maybe that's because when I got married, we stayed in the same stake. So it felt very natural. It was a very natural progression for us in that sense. Um, And being in a new ward and being married was totally different and all that. But like, yeah, like we still saw people and it was fun. That's my opinion anyway. Well, those are some solid points. Thank you. That's why everyone listens to the show, to hear my solid points. So I'm going to lead off with a quick mention in case you missed it, people. General Conference will be virtual once more. I believe we had wondered about this only a few weeks ago because it was coming up to about that time. I remember it was last June when they announced October Conference would be remote. So I was thinking, well, we're about two and a half-ish months away from the next conference. What are they going to do? And same thing as they've announced before, uh, more or less. There's nothing Nothing wildly new there that you're not already aware of. It'll be from that, the same thing as October, broadcast from the theater at the conference center. Uh, they're going to have pre-recorded music. Only the, only speakers and the spouses of speakers will be allowed to be present in the room and there will have it. But I have not minded 
lower key general conference, to be perfectly honest, I've been okay with it. Like, I don't know. It's fine. It just yeah. feels like we're, we're, it feels like we're not patting ourselves on the back as much about this grand historic gathering and all that. It's like, Hey, it's good. Let's get together, have some good messages, feel good about it. Carry on. And I guess the uh, women's conference is also going online once more. Josie, is that correct? Correct. Uh, <laughs> and, and I have nothing more to say. <laughs> That's it. That's the news, folks. Yep, it's it's online. BYU, the women's conference. Or it's normally like a whole week, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, all of those, I imagine, will be in different like breakout rooms, maybe over Zoom. Not too sure. They've just announced that it'll be online. Don't even um, start me on Zoom breakout rooms. That's a <laughs> topic I don't want to. Okay, let's not go down that tangent. We've already hit property and all sorts of YSA stake situations. <laughs> Um, So one other little bit about our general authorities, the church leaders have been vaccinated for the first round. Um, Well, actually, not all of the 12. There's about eight of them, along with spouses who have. So first presidency and then those who are over 70 were able to get the vaccine. And they all look very thrilled and happy about it as they're rolling up their sleeves and getting the jab. Um, Did you see the the memes that that tried to pretend that uh, like President Nelson was getting a tattoo? Like they oh my gosh, no. <gasps> of course it's a thing. That's so good. It probably says mom or oh, a butterfly. I hope it's a butterfly. That's like one of the Give most popular butterfly. tattoos, Sugar, isn't it? Baby, <laughs> come my baby, come, come my baby. Anyone know that song? Do, do you even know the song I'm singing right now? Yes, of course I do. I'm just not really going to like join in as your backup singer right oh, now. Oh, come on. Too early in the morning for me. I'm still croaky. Now, what is funny is I saw they got the, the vaccines are great. And I think it's wonderful they're able to get them. And like we, you said, 70 and older, which for the most part means the more senior apostles, because once you get to uh, Anderson and down, they're all under 70. Okay, everyone there is under 70 years old, all nipping up on 70, but but 70 nonetheless. Except for one David Bednar, who in some ways I feel bad for him because he is at this stage, what, one, two, three, four, five. He's like sixth in line, I think, right now. But because he was called when he was pretty young, He's got, you've got 92-year-old President Ballard, 80-year-old Elder Holland, 80-year-old Elder Uchtdorf, 68-year-old Bednar, 80-year-old Cook, 76-year-old Christopherson. And so it's like, if they're really keeping that to the letter, poor Elder Bednar is just like, guys, you're all getting the vaccines and I'm just, I'm just hanging out. I'm hanging out here with- Sandwiched in the middle. What do I look like to you, Garrett and Ulysses? Like, I don't need one yet? Come on. Come on. do you remember when he was first called, though, and I legit didn't know that, like, a man with brown hair could actually be called <laughs> to the core of the 12? <laughs> didn't think that I thought you had to reach a level of seniority. And I was like, maybe he'll die yet? I don't know. And the most, like, I mean, Elder Bednar's hair is the stuff of legend because it is so just fiercely. It's so precise. It so is, precise. It is helmet heads. Like, the definition, that that just, it doesn't move. It amazes me. His hair yeah. absolutely amazes me. It's, always, yeah. it's been great. Um, one other thing on the vaccine, Mormon internet, oh, Latter-day face- Saint internet. Facebook had a tizzy. I don't feel like this was as bad as when the, uh, like the brother in congratulate, when they congratulated president elect Biden for winning, which was just this, this simple formality, right? Mm-hmm. That it was like the world was burning down. But, but 
But the a world surprising is number of people. This is like President Nelson's own page, a man we revere as a prophet. And I'd see, I'd say most comments are supportive. Like, thank you so much for your example. This is great. But there are a number of people who like criticize him for saying things like we are global citizens. That's a thing I've noticed. Uh, President Nelson said quite a bit referring to us as global citizens, which if you're outside, if you're outside the U.S., you might think very little of it. But if you're inside the U.S., saying global citizens is code word for some sort of like George Soros backed leftist insurgency, take away our freedom. It's it's a it's yeah, it's like a globalist thing that gets thrown out there. I'm not saying it's like a QAnon or anything like that, but it's it's derisive in a way to say global citizens. But he says it all the time, I think, to remind us that we are all one under Christ and in the church and that our national borders matter a whole lot less to our Heavenly Father. So there's some people harping on him for that and saying, like, I'm sorry you took the vaccine. Why are you pushing vaccines? Why are you, like, <laughs> preaching that we should get vaccines? And I just, it's straight up. Like the, I mean, I know the church's guidelines, they issue guidelines. They make a point to say, you know, make be prayerful, make your own decisions. Like, you know, your circumstances, if you like, you know, you have really adverse reactions to vaccines commonly, then consider it. Sure. Sure. Of course. But it's general counsel to, uh, you know, get the vaccine if you're able to. And it just blows my mind that people are just like, even on this post, disappointed in the prophet how how could you say this how could you say this how could you tell us to get vaccines you know how dangerous they are and it's just like people oh boy yes tell the medical professional how dangerous the vaccines are makes perfect sense we are oh well peculiar time we we gotta be angry at something don't we or else what would we do with ourselves especially nowadays i mean now with listeners you know now that President Trump is gone, I have nothing to be angry about anymore. I'm I feel fine. <laughs> this show will once again return to a place of just just happy silliness. Who's to say? Did I cry during the inauguration? Actually, I did, and I was surprised. I didn't think I would, but yes, I did. Did you? You had a little teary. I it was more than a little teary. I was not expecting. Apologies oh, to everyone. Seriously, were you I'm not sobbing. But um, I was just kind of watching, like, all right, you know, just we're. I support the peaceful transition of power. In any circumstance, four years ago, I was admittedly very like, okay, I'm not thrilled about this one, but this is what we do. Uh, it was when Lady Gaga was singing the national anthem, she's kind of nearing the end of it. And that, no, uh, Josie's laughing at me. I'm right sorry. Now. Not, the moment, I didn't think you were going to bring Lady Gaga into this. Hold on. I'm it's so not specifically. Glad you did. It's not specifically because of her. She did a great job. You but as she was finishing up and like, and Kamala Harris stood up to be sworn in as VP. For one, I was thrilled that a woman was going to be in the upper echelons of power. I, I'm sorry. I think that is great. And we're overdue for that. All politics and beliefs of that aside, like it was also great when Sarah Palin was was running for and to be the VP. Didn't disagree with her policies necessarily, but I think that's good. We need to be doing that. Um it was more in that moment it kind of like finally sunk in, like watching it after everything we've been through, after the riot of the Capitol, all that stuff, everything going down. I think many, many years of emotion and concern about our country sort of hit me that like we're actually maybe turning the page a little bit finally. And my, my wife, Danielle, kind of looked over at me and realized like I could barely speak. I tried to talk and I just like broke down crying, which Aww. is not normally uh, how that would be for me, but uh, no emotions I, are raw. And well, they what have been. For, 
we're open for better things, man. My, my issues have never have been less policy, which there are some things and more just the long-term ramifications of disregarding institutions and checks and balances. And I think things like that are very important. So anyway, no one needed to hear that, but there was uh, that part of it movie. I settled down after that and it was fine, but I, I, uh, it was an emotional time. Let's see. You want to do some temple news? Yeah, I have temple questions for you. So okay, well, the you have temple f- questions for me. I'm excited. Yes, so I do. You you need to pre- you take a class. Okay. And they tell you you can go, <laughs> and you're supposed to like you know keep. No, so you you wrote this lovely article about the Pittsburgh Temple and the rendering that's come out, yeah. um, and it was a very glowing review. And so I'm just kind of curious, like, what do you love about Pittsburgh so much, and do you love this temple rendering as much as you love the city? That's hard to say. Yeah. Um, okay. I got that for, vibe. <laughs> for the sake of not boring our, everyone listening too much, I don't want to opine too much about the pit. But Pittsburgh's an amazing town. It's the gem of Appalachia. It is an unsung, delightful city. I have a soft spot for like Ohio River Valley cities for some reason, old Rust Belt towns. But really the Ohio River Valley ones. I don't care as much if I go to Detroit and and Buffalo and wherever else, right? But if you're talking the Pittsburghs, the Cincinnati's, the Louisville's of the country, there's something about them that just speaks to me in an interesting way when it talks about the Midwest. Uh, I've just been to Pittsburgh a couple of times. I've been through there. I've tri- my Danielle and I went there once years ago from like a Memorial Day weekend just to say, hey, let's go, go hit somewhere Pittsburgh. new up. And Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh actually punches above its weight in terms of its cultural offerings. It's high. It's got a great higher education system, of course, some very famous universities there. Excellent sports town, great food, great museums. It's just a cool place. I just love Pittsburgh a lot. The way it's nestled, the way the Monongahela and Allegheny Rivers meet right there in downtown Pittsburgh to form the Ohio River. The setting is beautiful, bridges everywhere. And I know it's not a perfect town. I haven't been there in winter. I'm sure it's horrible to drive in in the winter because it's extremely hilly and it's extremely cold and icy. And I don't think I would enjoy that. But I just think Pittsburgh's just a, it's a great area. I love Pittsburgh and people might, you can rag on it if you want. I dare you. Come at me. I don't care. I'm ha- change my mind if you want. I I haven't lived there, you know. I, I get it, right? You're I don't a know how fair it, weather Pittsburgh tourist. It's I, I might be it's a bit, but I think Pitts. I think Pittsburgh is awesome, man. If like I would, I love going back there. I think it's a great town, and we were very psyched for them to get a temple announced uh, in Pittsburgh. It was sort of one of these ones, and we actually called it in our temple predictions. We thought it was an outside chance because the membership in Pittsburgh isn't huge, and it's not growing significantly in any way. Okay, this isn't. This is not, you know, Sierra Leone or something, right? It's just, uh, they've had three stakes in Pittsburgh for decades, but it kind of sits pretty isolated in terms of temples. The closest temples are DC, which is what it's assigned to, Columbus, Ohio. We saw kind of a case for there being a temple in that, a small temple to sort of fill that void right there, which is what they're doing. Um, As far as the way the temple looks, yeah, it's following what appears to be the similar plan to some of these other recently announced ones, like in uh, McAllen, Texas, Bentonville, Arkansas. You can see a lot of the similarities in there. I just think this one looks a little bit cooler than the other ones. I like the gold work. I like the spire and I like the steeple up at the top. I I dig it just in this one rendering, but I, I think they took that template and they made things that looked pretty cool. I don't think it's necessarily evocative of Pittsburgh if they're trying to do that. I don't know what that would be. But a bridge. I just think it's a bri- a bridge yeah, or yeah, you could have just had like uh just split the temple into two halves and I have a glorious little bridge that joins the two together with a sky garden in between. Very Singaporean. 
they could have a water feature through the temple. That would be- <laughs> a moat. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of possibilities, but I do like the the trendy little spire. That that is a poll for our listeners. Do any of you ever go to buildings growing up that actually had atriums? Your your everyday church building, not the uh, not the temple, because that's a real thing that I've actually seen in a few buildings. My grandparents went to a building that way. There was just a straight up open atrium, just surrounded by classrooms and stuff, just inside the building. Also, the San Diego Temple, everybody, if you're not familiar, has an atrium. It might be the only temple we have that has an atrium. I don't know if there are other ones that have one like that. But when you're up in the ceiling rooms, there is glass in the middle of it surrounding a little atrium and a window that just opens up to the sky. In theory, I believe a helicopter could hover over that and peer just like straight down into the temple if it, you know, if they did. I don't think they ever would. Drums, perhaps. They could do that too. Our, our next bit of temple news is the, I don't know how to say this one. Is it the Tuili? <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to get excommunicated, honestly. You're not a Latter-day Saint. For not knowing Tuwila. any Utah geography. To help me out here, Tuwila? Tuwila. Yes, got it on the second go. Don't hate me, people. Um, so that temple was announced. They had a plot of land. And they had some protests. Nobody was too happy with where the positioning of this temple was, or whether some people were unhappy about it. And the church has announced that they're moving it. Yeah, I wouldn't call it full-blown protest, but yes. Well, they made their position known, shall we say. The logic behind it was when the church announced the temple for the Tooele Valley, it was going to be kind of equidistant between Stansbury Park, Grantsville, and Tooele-ish, which are the three big communities in the valley. And they're going to build it in Erda, which is very agricultural. And they wanted to build a whole housing development around it. The church does that sometimes. And part of this was to offset the cost, I've heard, of bringing utilities to the region to build the temple, which is not cheap. And Ah. so if you build a housing development, it helps, for one, justify it because you're already bringing electricity and water and everything into that area in mass. Why not use it for something more? And of course, then there's just the residuals you get from it. So- uh, the people did not want this community. They thought it was too dense. By most standards, I don't think it is too dense, but I guess by Erda standards, it would be dense. I mean, we're not talking like a mixed-use development with, you know, five-story apartments and then stores on the ground level and, you know, no parking or anything anywhere. It's not It's not that yeah, kind of situation. It it's like half-acre lots. Yeah. yeah. But it was enough of an issue that in August, the church canceled the housing development and just presumably we're going to plow forward with the temple and just not do the housing development until last week when they announced, without saying this is why, by the way, they haven't said anything about that, but they announced a new location in Tooele, the northern part of Tooele, in another sort of undeveloped part on the edge of Tooele proper. Uh, They have not said if they're going to try to resume the housing development plans, which they could do. So it's really only a handful of miles farther south, but it's in Tooele proper. And they renamed the temple for some reason. It's no longer the Tuella Valley, Utah Temple. It is now the Deseret Peak, Utah oh, Temple. Oh, I missed that. Yes. Oh, that's... But, it, okay, wait. So it's more... It's actually in Tuella now, whereas before yes. it wasn't exactly in Tuella, but we're no longer going to call it Tuella. Now you're seeing my... You're seeing my it. issue with the rename because before it was the Tuella, it. it was the Tuella Valley Temple supporting the whole valley. Now they've put it in Tuella itself, where you could either keep that name or just call it the Tuella Utah Temple and let that be that. But instead, they've just gone and named it after. I mean, the temples and the mountains, Deseret. Isaiah. 
Yeah, I think there's something going on in the backgrounds there that they just are trying to keep the peace and don't want anyone to know about it, I think. And Deseret Peak's not even like right next to Tuella. It's it's probably 20 miles away as the crow flies, which is fine. But there are other peaks that are like right next to Tuella. (laughs) Like like Clipper Peak is right next to Tuella. They could have called it that. I don't, it's not the, whatever, it's fine. I mean, it doesn't sound as nice. It doesn't sound as nice. I mean, you've got the Ochre Mountain Temple, but that one is closer to Ochre Mountain than this one is to Deseret Peak or Mount Timpanogos is closer to the actual Mount Timpanogos than any of these are. Hmm. Strange stuff, man. Weird story. But that's what they're doing. And you also, for our last bit of temple news, hosted a little temple awards ceremony. Well, or poll, I guess you should say. And this was just yes, with the temples Joe. from t- that were uh, announced, not like dedicated or built, but just announced no. in 2020. This was temples. Uh, good old Corey wrote this. This was temples that had an architectural rendering released in 2020. Okay. So there was 25 of them. We put out a poll about a bunch of different, uh, bunch of different categories and which was which. The results are fun. If you haven't seen them, go check it out. Like the best yeah. appeal to local architecture. The winner is the temple in, Ca- in Cambodia, in Phnom Penh. I know. It was like Cambodia for the win all around. I was really impressed. I have seen the numbers and the big winners overall are generally Cambodia. A lot of love for the temple in Brasilia, in Brazil, which I think is cool. It is It is a cool looking temple though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's small, but they're trying to embrace that sort of Gucci design that you see Brazil is a master plan city and they're kind of trying to match that style in the federal, it's the federal capital of Brazil. Yeah. And they're uh, trying to match that I best modern it. design. It's fun. Um, I mean, it's kind of like when they announced the temple in Versailles and we were like, sweet, we're going to have like a fancy, fancy, fancy kind of temple. And then it was mm, a little bit of a letdown. So I kind of like that the Brasilia is going with something. something that should have been a category. Biggest letdown. <laughs> We didn't do that. That was funny. We're trying to keep it positive. We don't need. (laughs) I thought it was interesting. We don't mean being grudging. The uh, most deserved temple winner was the temple in India in Bangalore. Um, Yeah, that was cool. I think it's cool they're getting it, but I thought most deserved, I think that's open to interpretation because I looked at like, well, no, probably most deserved is like Taylorsville, Utah or somewhere where they're like, where they need a temple, right? But it's great that they have Best in the United States, Taylorsville, absolutely. Best in Latin America, Brasilia. Best in Asia is the Indian Temple. The uh, forthcoming Auckland, New Zealand Temple is the best one in Oceania. Oh, yeah. Um, So it's fun. Check it out. You can get the details on it if you want, folks. It's a beauty if you love the temple pictures. Um, So we have some Lindsay Sterling news because we haven't had Lindsay Sterling news for ages since you were trying to get her and Al to date, which obviously went really well. Um, So she (laughs) she hasn't been in our news for a little while, but she has a new music video and it pays tribute to her late father. And it's relevant because in her post, she shares a little testimony about angels shares a little scripture and um so it's a beauty if you are a lindsey sterling fan and want to go and watch her new music video but um, josie to revisit some of the controversy around lindsey sterling from years ago i can see her shoulders oh and man what kind of what kind of an example is she setting for you, our young you women? know those shoulders are just the most dangerous thing we could ever have on display so 
She does actually have a really cool cape in this video. So, I mean, forget the shoulders. Is, is I was that more, a thing? Is that a I was cool more interested in the cape. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of tempted by that. I was like, hmm, not that I would ever need one, but it's very flowy. I think you need to get a cape and wear it around Singapore. Definitely a cape. It's too hot Please here, do. man. Please hot. get a cape. Okay. <laughs> is this coming out of the Patreon fund? Absolutely. Sure. Didn't think sure. so. Okay. Um, another quick one. There was uh, Mormons made it on Humans of New York. If people know this uh, Instagram account or uh, blog, it's not really a blog, but I know he's done a book about it. Anyways, Humans of New York is a big thing. And there was a really sweet story by this woman who was telling the story of her father who died in an accident. And also, um, I believe she was in the accident as well and injured her hand. And piano has been a big part of her life. She had a lot of different operations trying to um, get her hand back to the same use as it was before. Um, yeah. And there's a really uh, intriguing kind of twist to that story. So if you're interested in a little bit of a pick-me-up and don't want to dive into the Facebook comments about vaccines and feel a little bit negative, just uh, head on over to Humans of New York. That one will cheer you right up. You know, if we um, can speak about... Oh, I'm sorry. We're not done. No, go ahead. I was going to speak about other hilarious Facebook commentary this week. Um, this is not... Mormon related, except for the fact we did something with it. The memes of Bernie Sanders. So um, good. This is a great example of Facebook and all of social media having a blast. And it's made me laugh. The handful of people I've seen post to just say like, I don't get it. Like, this isn't funny. Why are, why are we doing this? <laughs> I think it's great. Though there's some who genuinely think by doing this, it legitimizes his political views. And so like, why are we doing this? I don't think that at all. I think it's just a good fun time. That's really all I've seen this as. So anyways, if you missed it, a picture emerged of Bernie Sanders at the inauguration, sitting there with his, with his heavy coat on and these mittens, and he the just mittens. looked displeased. So good. And, and the meme started to go around. The first one I saw just said something like, this could have been handled in an email, which is that sentiment we've all had when we're in meetings oh, at work. Or at and church. they flowed from the... But that, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So... Um, I encourage you to look for those in general if somehow you've missed this. But also go to our website at thisweekinmormons.com where we made some of them for burning in front of church sites. Because why not? The San Diego Temple stuck outside the gates of the Salt Lake Temple, the Hill Cumorah pageant, inside the conference center. That's one of my personal faves that I made. Thank you very much. Love that one. Where he's just sitting on a chair because we put him, he's like microscopic all the way down the aisle, just sitting there, protecting the Hill Camorra, visiting the Far West Temple site, hanging out at the Missionary Training Center, and of course, the Bern Switzerland Temple for the Bern, right? That's all. It was a good week. Just check. That's what that, okay. I'm putting See? those two together. Look, the internet loves like cats, dogs. And curmudgeonly old men. So I'm this is apparently, this this was going to be a winner. I'm a big fan. And, and while I'm at it, if you want to read another thing on the site, we had a great op-ed here by uh, R. Eric Spute, who wrote this, I thought it's not satire, it's entitled, If Any of You Lack Wisdom. And it is his story, um, but basically paraphrasing Joseph Smith history about finding political truth. I was more entertained than I thought I would be when this was submitted. This so that's why we published it. made me so, giggle because it first started and I was like, this 
he's writing a little bit funny. Where's he going with this? Um, <laughs> what is with like, this language? I was like, this is not how we speak in this century. Speak plainly, and then, Eric. <laughs> then obviously got on. He's just literally rewriting parts of Joseph Smith history. Um, it did. It made me giggle more than I thought it would. So yeah, it's, it's worth it's, checking it's out. Worth I mean, there are some of you uh, whom it will bother. I would say more than others. That's fine if it does, but I think it's a clever twist on. We just need to be able to learn how to laugh a little bit more. Laugh at this article. Laugh a little bit more, Bernie. Listen to Lizzie Sterling. Come on, people. Pick it up. Indeed. All right, Josie, it's about that time. You want to hit us with some international news? International news. Yes. Okay. So we have mostly humanitarian news. Which is kind of a nice break from if you're tired. We got a theme going here of if you're tired from the sad stuff, we have happier news for you this week, which is that we are still donating masks around the world because those are important and people should wear them. Uh, And this time we sent 160,000 units to Sao Paulo, um, over to Brazil, also in South America. We've been donating medical equipment and education tools and some games to various different communities across Uruguay. And also after a cyclone passed through Fiji, some of the saints there uh, and also across French Polynesia have been gathering to support the Fijians and donate their needed supplies. And also, um, interestingly, they, in my part of the world, we had tons and tons and tons of rain in Singapore uh, at the start of the year. And Philippines has been dealing with the same sort of weather, and we've had a little bit of a local initiative to donate some supplies to send over to the Philippines because there are just some rural towns and homes that have just been completely washed away. So we're pitching in to try and do our part. Um, In Wellington, there was an interfaith council who put together some grocery items for individuals in need and then youth across French Polynesia. They've been pretty busy with various different service projects, which is nice to see, like helping an elderly couple clear their farmlands, doing some family history work, and again, food hampers um, for those people who need it. And then lastly, we got a big church community in the Ozark region. Didn't know this was an actual place. Apologies, guys. Okay. I know, I know. Lake of the like Ozarks. I, thought, I thought it was a TV show, so I had to look it up. Um, Maybe it's named for the place. Okay, well, you know what? Atlantis isn't a real place, but they got a TV show too. Okay, so Ozarks, real theme. <laughs> there was an Atlantis TV show? Uh, uh, wasn't there movie? No, you're confused. You're thinking of Sequest. Same thing. Oh my gosh. No, that's not what I'm thinking of. Anyways, they donated... 80 tons of food to six different local organizations, which is a big, big boost. And then also some food pantries in North Carolina have been um, supported because the food shortages um, for those communities due to COVID-19. So big themes here of lots of giving, lots of donations, lots of trying to help people out either for um, from natural disasters or also the pandemic, which is... Um, I think a good reminder, like for myself, when I'm just like bored at home and can't really meet out in groups of, you know, bigger than eight, it's like, okay, actually we're doing okay. And that I can still support some other people who are struggling a little bit more than just being bored, stuck at home. So we can do that's our news. 
I appreciate the positivity. I think that's a good thing. We do have some some downer news. Uh, former basketball coach at BYU, Tony Ingle, died at age sixty-eight uh, due to complications. He'd been he'd been struggling with uh, COVID. So just another reminder, man. COVID is real and it stinks, and that sucks. So amen to that. Bit, bit of legend there. Very sorry. If I can also be a downer, I don't, why does Robert Kirby have a job? I don't want to be too difficult here, but I also don't think I'm going to offend many people by going after Robert Kirby. So let's do this. Robert, I'm not. I'm not. We can all unite behind not supporting Robert Kirby, Kirby, right? If you, for some reason, are upset with me taking issue with Robert Kirby's career, I welcome you to, to comment on it because I think we can all agree that Robert Kirby's time has come. Like Rome before it. Oh, now I'm doing Batman Begins. Anyway, so Robert Kirby <laughs> is the, uh, you know, he's the humor, quote unquote, columnist at the Salt Lake Tribune. Every now and then he writes some stuff that's like okay and amusing. But this was an article that seemed to be playing on the whole, uh, the, the thing with Jill Biden, who has a doctorate of education, being Dr. Jill Biden and many certain outlets seized upon that as, as why she's not a real doctor and blah, 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 blah. I have many PhD friends who take issue with that. Yes, a PhD is not an MD, nor is it a, a dental degree or even a Juris Doctorate, technically. I believe, I believe lawyers, don't be Esquires people, you should claim to be doctors as well. Why wouldn't you? So... Um, he had actual surgery on his hand. He speaks about that and then uh, explains why basically he wouldn't want someone else proclaiming to be a doctor to work on him. Basically, is no one's saying, is there a PhD in the house? Come on, people. We need a doctor of philosophy. The guy's bleeding out. Like, I know he thinks it's funny, but I think Kirby's stupid. Why is he... He's... I. I was there a deadline at the Trib? Are they just desperate for clicks? What is going on here? Why does Robert Kirby, why is he given a, a thing? I, I try not to harp on people, let everyone speak their piece, but I'm struggling to see what value he's bringing to any conversation, even as a humor columnist. I've read humor columns in many other publications that are actually amusing and funny. Robert Kirby is just, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe some of you have been reading his columns since 1994 when it started, but uh, I can't. Maybe it was I, I, funnier then. But, like, I feel like the whole, like, going after a doctorate joke is just so old. Like, we've been through that joke several times and beat that one dead. How are we still publishing that and thinking that people are going to be amused? Everybody's heard it. It's not new. I don't know, Kirby, but step up your game, Kirby. Come on, Kirby. I'm I'm coming for you. (laughs) I don't know. Sorry. I should take his job as a columnist <laughs> the crib. That's like right in my wheelhouse. Perfect. Yes, you should. I should be the trip's humor columnist. Then Peggy Fletcher Stack and I will be colleagues. And then she, can, then she can't ignore me anymore. Oh, man. Okay, speaking of Peggy, I got a bone to pick a little bit. So she did this profile off of Ken Jennings. And Ken Jennings sounds like a delight, but this profile... Ken uh, Jennings, by the way, if you don't know, he's the former, Je- he's the Jeopardy champion. He's the Jeopardy he's, guy. He's done a lot of stuff. He's a Latter-day Saint, if you do. Yeah. And now he's hosting or kind of like hosting as an interim uh, host on Jeopardy and some other. He's also he's on the, ga- the, ch- the Chase. 
Yeah, he's a game show guy. Um, so clever guy, loves his pop culture, loves his trivia, apparently fell asleep with an atlas, all sorts of delightful stuff. I like this guy. The profile, I do not like so much. I just feel like if you're trying to write a celebrity profile, but you're also trying to convince the reader that your subject is famous, he's really not a celebrity. And like you don't read, you don't read a profile of Leonardo DiCaprio, and then the journalist writes like he gets recognized by curious onlookers at the grocery store. Like no, Leo's not at the grocery store because he would be accosted. Um, he's on but some Ken beach is, with Ken like is one of the people. Okay. <laughs> no. So I just yeah, there were some interesting bits. She's got just some interesting transitions for stories that didn't really. It's like she got little tidbits and didn't quite know how to weave them in here. Maybe I'm being a little bit mean here. The profile well, is hi- worth a read because I highly, Ken I highly like recommend his books, both Brainiac, which is a hilarious read about his love of trivia, and oh, he uh, has my, the book. my personal favorite though, Maphead. If any of you are Mapheads, I'm a Maphead. I love maps. I can look at maps all day. I love maps. They're great. About his love of geography. There's even a hilarious chapter in here when he attends the National Geographic uh, Geography Bee, which was host also hosted by Alex Trebek. And he has some funny anecdotes about that. I haven't read these books for a while, but maybe I'll This sounds like very Big Bane theory when Sheldon's like, fun with flags. Do you remember that whole series? You're, oh, you're I have tried that. as hard as I can <laughs> to remove the Big Bang theory from my conscience. Okay, all right. Well, the moment we geek out over maps, I was just thinking fun Maps are awesome, and maps make the world go around. Literally, literally, if we don't have maps, you won't be able to get to your new apartment in the same country, this unprecedented thing. You won't, come sure. on. Sure. Okay, I was like, literally not what makes the world go around, but I do appreciate that I need to rely on maps all the time. Um don't have a great sense of navigation but that's me personally no he sounds like a delight i'm in favor of ken jennings and his quick wit i just thought the profile was kind of funny um he also yeah, good stuff Spain. good for him um oh i have one more that is kind of near and dear to my heart which yes. was a delightful not delightful i'm sorry i should use that word inappropriately this was an essay about responding to trauma survivors um, in the church. And I thought that there were some really great points in here. Um, it's like made a case for Jesus Christ as a trauma survivor and discussed what trauma is and why it is maybe important for members of the church to understand. Um, and she's got a nice little quote in here that she said, I feel that one of our most preface Pressing roles as disciples of Christ is to expand our understanding of trauma and to respond empathetically to brothers and sisters of our congregation who are suffering with its debilitating effects. And she talks about Christ's humanity um, and how he would identify with our trauma and human suffering. Um, and she says something really beautiful about how like that's carved like art into his palms and how those marks in his hand were a sign and like a symbol of the trauma that he's been through. And that became such a very visual symbol that other people could relate to and that you aren't going through your extreme suffering alone. Um, she also makes a really good point that, you know, trauma isn't a spiritual problem. Like you're not, I think just for those who are struggling or suffering through like post-traumatic stress disorder or something similar, uh, your faith can be shaked or shook and 
like your ability to get up, go to church, try to do those daily things that previously seemed easy or just natural, like they can be quite a challenge. Um, so that reminder was excellent. And also she has some practical tips of how those of us in the church who maybe haven't experienced this, how we can be better informed and a bit more sensitive to others, like not suggesting that someone's trauma has a purpose, which, you know, it's all well and good for you to believe that. But if you're the person who's struggling at that time, it's not the nicest thing to hear. Um, so I thought there was a lot of really good meat in this essay and uh, definitely worth a read and made me think through a couple of those practical tips if there was something I could apply and how I can just be, you know, a little bit easier on my brothers and sisters in the church. Make them feel like this is a place where you're safe and you should come and keep coming to church. And, and the the uh, site for this, you know, the Mormon Women Project, this was started by Nyla McBain, who's been a, a guest on the show a couple of times. So uh, this is this is a good resource. Mormon Women Project publishes a lot of interesting articles. This is a good one. I'm glad you found oh, this, Josie. It's good to share. Wait, with who, who started this project? Nyla McBain is part of it, the famous activist and author. Oh, I missed that. So I don't I don't know the project too much, so I probably need to look into that more. I just found the essay floating around and thought, here we go. This is right up my alley, and I think it's got some great points in there. Yeah, well, they've expanded a lot. The Mormon Women Project basically catalogs the stories of Latter-day Saint women from around the world. They used to oh, say okay. Mormon women, but they're kind of like us. They're stuck with Mormon because that's part of their name, even though they don't use it anywhere else anymore. <laughs> anywhere. So we feel your pain. We're committed. Um, Last one real quick. This one's a couple weeks old, but we never got to it. Freelancers, which is the show, the series started by many of the former Studio C members. Uh, this, this article is interesting because it talks more about how they get the money to do it because they basically crowdsource the show. So they, they're not looking to corporate sponsors. They're not looking to Hollywood to bankroll them. JK Studios, which is the little studio started by uh, the former Studio C members, does this all with the people, which is a cool model. You know, it's it's quite democratic in that sense and they've uh, they've raised plenty of money and obviously the technology's gotten better to be able to to film things you know in better quality than it might have been and now they've also even uh, been added to vidangel because vidangel tries to have more original content not just the stuff they edit and then get in trouble with hollywood studios uh for doing the editing of which is a whole other issue i think vidangel's cool it is. It's a cool service. But uh, this is worth a read, though. It's kind of fun to check out and just see, you know, how they do what they do, especially life after Studio C, considering that whole original cast departed in a block uh, when they left. And uh, now what they're doing now that they're unchained from BYU. Absolutely. So that's all. Check it out. You'll love it. And that's it, everybody. That's the week in Latter-day Saint news. That is the week in Mormons. Anything else to add, Josie, before we take off? Uh, no, I'm good. I was going to say your catchy little, uh, closing line, but it sounds so much better coming from you. No, I want you, I want you to say it. Everyone, I'll, Josie, I'm going to be quiet right here. You say all the, all the positive thanks and sign us off. You go right ahead. Well, I do. I do. I feel really good about this, uh, episode. We've had so much positive stuff. So ready? Here we go. Be well, be holy, be happy. Did I get it right? I'm, I'm not allowed to speak. Oh, uh, <clears throat> support us on Patreon. Find us on 
Jeff, I don't know what your nope. closing lines are. That was it. You did great. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. <laughs>